In the spirit of reconciliation, Sister Luna Podcast acknowledges that we live, work, and record on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, which includes the Siksika, the Kainai, and the Pikani, and the Sitina, and the Ashi Nakoda Nations. This also includes the Métis Nation Region 3 and all people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. In the spirit of respect, reciprocity, and truth, we honor and acknowledge... Fuck. (laughs) I can't. Mokinstis. Mokinstis? I don't know, but that's what I would guess. Okay. In the spirit of respect... In the spirit of respect, reciprocity, and truth, we honor and acknowledge the Mokinsis and the traditional Treaty 7 territory and oral practices of the Blackfoot Confederacy, which include the Siksika, the Kainai, the Pikani, as well as the Ayashi, Nakoda, and Sutina nations. We acknowledge that this territory is home to the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3, with the historical Northwest Métis homeland. Finally, we acknowledge that all nations, indigenous and non, who live, work, play, and record podcasts on this land, and to honor and celebrate this territory. Join our Cloud HD video meeting. Okay, say something now. Hello, we're testing, testing. Yeah, it's working now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay. How are you? How are you, magical? Well, very good, very good. Sorry, I was I fell asleep. I like had a nap. Aw, that's good. <laughs> yeah, but I'm very excited for this little interview. One shot, one go. Yeah, that's how I roll. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Sister Luna podcast. Um, I'm your host, Madeline. This is my co-host. Can I see the glass you're drinking out of? Oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like this nice Polish. Like this nice Polish. It looks like a mushroom because of your background. Oh, there it yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, I saw it first. We saw it for a sec. <laughs> Put it in front of your face and then. Yeah, there yeah. it is. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's nice. I like it. Delectable. Yeah. We have a very, very special guest today. Would you like to introduce our guest, John? I think you've known him longer than I have, so you should have the honor. Is that true? Maybe. I um, think so. This is Denis Manzer. He is. The person who taught me how to make mead, um, you can tune into our episode from like a year ago about me, actually a year ago, probably exactly uh-huh. about me making, um, much more knowledgeable on the subject than I would have been in that episode, <laughs> um, and is generally a, I don't know, how would you describe yourself? A forager, a creator, teacher? I would say he's like part herbalist, part mystic. Oh, well, <laughs> you two made me you made me very proud when you actually made mead yeah. for yourselves after I after I taught you a little. I think we just had a little. Um, it's like a one hour workshop, yeah. Yeah, and oh, you made me proud when I tasted your mead. <laughs> yeah, John makes it all the time now, and he's gotten pretty good at it. 
once you practice, right? Oh, okay. Well, you're going to have to enter the great, we're going to start a great mead cup pretty soon here. Oh, yeah? Where you might win a golden goblet. <laughs> Amazing. Such fun. <laughs> we haven't yeah, actually, we haven't made any of this here yet. We made some dandelion wine. But I haven't made mead in a little while now. Maybe we'll make it a tradition to make it on Samhain. Mm-hmm. We made it on Samhain last year. Yeah, I definitely, um, yeah, I definitely try to do it with the moon cycles, right? Mm. So, oh yeah, well, if I was going to introduce myself, yes, hello okay, everyone yes. listening to <laughs> to us around the globe, I guess. Um, yeah. My name is Denny Manzer, and yeah, I've been working as a herbalist for over 10 years now, so I've been in Calgary, and... You know, it's it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. So there's a few directions we could take this interview, right? We could, um, as far as it goes to magic and herbalism, or, you know, we could talk about a lot of different things when it comes to herbs. Yeah. You know, we could talk about rituals. We could talk about, you know, hmm, altered a- states of consciousness. Yeah, well, you mentioned um, two uh, different directions of one being uh, plant spirits and communing with them, and then the other one being altered states with herbs. And, um, I mean, obviously there's a lot of intersection there, right? Like you especially want to have respect for and relationship with the spirit of a psychoactive herb that you're going to use. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we're talking about psychoactivity and we talk about psychoactive plants, um, it's very fascinating because literally most herbs are psychoactive. And it's as, it's as simple as drinking coffee. Oh my God, that's <laughs> what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah, coffee is probably one of it is probably one of the most widely used psychoactive substances. And yeah. if you think about it, our nation is walking around totally just buzzed, jacked up. Mm-hmm. Coffee has a very interesting effect on our perceptions, right? As a stimulant, mm-hmm. as a as a stimulant, it has a very interesting effect on the way we perceive reality, right? Co- coffee itself is. Um, it totally is a power spirit mm-hmm. ally. <laughs> hmm. I love that way of looking at it. When you're drinking you're totally coffee, right. you're definitely like taking taking onto yourself to um, a powerful plant spirit consciousness. So mm-hmm. that's um, something you really have to pay attention to when you're looking at um, these plants. When we ingest them, it's like the spirit of the plant lives in our consciousness. It like basically kind of experiences reality through us. So, mm. you know, it's a pretty sacred thing. Coffee, in its origins, uh, if you look in Ethiopia, um, it was associated with ceremony. 
Yeah. So you would, uh, you'd have like a coffee ceremony when you, uh, and very, very similar to matcha green tea. Yeah. Mm. And, and tea in general in, in China is kind of ceremonially. And uh, cacao in South America, right? Mm-hmm. As well as cacao. Yeah. All these plants, um, yeah, it's it's a very interesting kind of ritual, and and it lives on to this day. Like, you know, when you take your little morning coffee, it's it's mm-hmm. like um, taking time out of the day. It's like a moment of timelessness. Hmm. See, this is the aspect of where I said you were part mystic because I was literally writing about coffee as a ritual, like this afternoon right before this conversation. <laughs> and now here you are repeating basically what I just wrote back to me. Like you're right there in the in the collective consciousness being like, <laughs> not that you didn't already know that, you know more about it than I do, but I just think it's interesting that you're like, here's the exact wavelength you're on. Let me just mm. hop on there. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, um, I think that's one of the more important parts about enjoying your ritual. Mm. Um, and it can be coffee, it can be tea, it can be just herbal tea, it can be anything. It can be uh, a beer when you're done your work. Mead? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I love those Tamarack uh, Jack meads. They're great. We mm. just got it. They were at a um, fall market at our community center yeah they're they're great yeah and of course there's rituals around alcohol itself as a a knee brand yeah and mead making especially was considered like i guess a ritual for but like a a relationship that you're entering into with um divinity to like have a successful batch of mead right like the Vikings believed that if like your mead didn't ferment, it didn't turn out. That's because Frigg or one of her attendants was like, no, I don't. You have displeased me somehow, probably by not working hard enough. And therefore I'm not going to like bring any yeast to your mead <laughs> or the yeast are going to die or whatever. Hmm. But if it, yeah, you I mean, could successfully it, brew it, you were considered like, godly or like beloved by the gods because you could make good mead well it's it's totally true that alcohol alcohol is a very very fun part of um, life and it's <laughs> it's true yeah i know the vikings definitely believed that due to the spontaneous nature of the fermentation that it occurred <laughs> um as if by magic right and yeah even as we as modern humans as we are, like as modern as we are, we still don't really understand fermentation and bacteria. Like it's amazing to me the strides we're taking in yeah. those ways. But as far in, into microbiology as you look, it's the same as looking at the stars, right? The further into the world of microbes you look, it's infinite infinite we can't we're looking smaller and smaller and finding more and more and it's as above so below i suppose that great rule but Mm -hmm. yeah it's a miracle that fermentation of alcohol takes place and (laughs) it was given to us by the 
creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, creation made alcohol, and I know it can go both ways um, as far as being a poison. Yeah. Because it's truly, that's one of the paths you can walk to enlightenment. They right. say it is an mm-hmm. ebriation path. And it's part mm-hmm. of the poison path of herbalism. So you're working with poison plants. And there's lots of different ones. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating because most of them go really well with alcohol. Yes. People are always trying to buy wormwood from me and being like, is this tea? And I'm like, well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not Some exactly. psychoactive experiences <laughs> I've ever had have have been through alcohol, like, right. um, I, there's a certain, um, there's a certain effect that occurs when you get quite inebriated where everything around you is just the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. I don't know if you've, I don't know if you experienced that, like, rapture, beauteous <laughs> rapture. But Definitely it can, experienced it. it. I don't know. I can't necessarily pin it to a specific alcohol like, yeah. scenario, but oh, I don't know. Yeah, with alcohol, you can achieve that state. I mean, marijuana is one of them, too. That's true. Uh, mushrooms, I've... I don't know. Psilocybin mushrooms are, mm-hmm. um, I consider, one of the most important herbs we could talk about as well. Um I would definitely get into psilocybin if you want to talk about it. Is this is so funny because mm. I had so many like exceptionally mundane questions prepared for you. Oh, over here. Mm. <laughs> Who cares? I was literally well, unless you want. I was going to ask you things like how did you get started and why? Like what's your favorite herb? <laughs> like just yeah. stupid questions. Who cares? Let's talk about psilocybin. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean psilocybin. <laughs> was it's fascinating to go back into into history and really it has been like an occult substance that um if you start doing your research though you realize that you know a lot of great civilizations of the past most likely enjoyed psilocybin and you know that of course is the mayans Mm. you know the mayans really enjoyed their mushrooms it's depicted in a all of their depicted in a lot of their art, but oh, cool. those guys were high on <laughs> when they made those crazy pyramids. <laughs> they were um, they were so stoned. So when people are like, "How on earth did they build this?" It's like, well, <laughs> they were stoned. That's funny. Do you yeah, agree? we still don't understand yeah. the powers of the mind. Uh, That's true. The, but yes, for me personally, like. I remember it was in high school. I started. I started taking magic mushrooms. Um, I started, uh, you know, as a forager. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, that all started because of marijuana. Because I, uh, I don't know. I couldn't. I would get. St- I would have to go outside, right, to get mm-hmm. stoned. I would go on these like nature walks. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my parents knew what I was up to, but. No, I would just be in the hills by the river, by my house, just so, um, so stoned and looking at it, it really helps you to, to look at things in new ways, right? That's one of the, Mm -hmm. one of the major benefits of marijuana is you're 
it's like your eyes become the eyes of a child again. Mm-hmm. In a some mm-hmm. in a sense. Like that's what I'm talking about too with alcohol. Like mm. that that effect where everything becomes so beautiful. Yeah. I've had that, you know. I think uh kind of the, the three that that you touched on, coffee and alcohol and marijuana. Sorry, there's a blue jay outside our oh, window I'm just pointing cute. out right now. Those are kind of the three that are so like ritualized into everyday life where they're like kind of the only times where people in our society are setting an intention. It's whether it's it's your morning coffee and your intention is like, oh, I need this to wake up. And whether it's the coffee or it's the intention, that is the thing that, that is... You know, it is partly the the intention that you're putting into it, and partly the what you're getting from it. And then alcohol yes. the same way, and and your intention can be ignoble. It could be like I'm trying to like drown out what I'm feeling. And then I think it's what you're getting into now with marijuana. It's like you are trying to like elevate the experience and and to like reshape your your perspective perspective and your i don't know the way that you're interacting with the world yeah it absolutely it absolutely opens your perceptions it's i suppose that's the i suppose that's how you would describe an altered state of consciousness mm-hmm. through these herbs that see more than you would normally see right mm. well isn't that part of the science that like the survival like your brain can't let you perceive everything to the, your fullest ability all the time because you wouldn't, if a tiger was running at you, you'd be like, wow, it's so pretty. And then you would just die. Right. Like, so, um, I mean, I might be misinformed on this, but my understanding is that taking, I don't know about psilocybin, but LSD specifically in, then it, it like lowers that, those barriers in your mind and your, or in your brain rather like that prevent you from fully uh, processing your environment without the like safety piece there. Right. No. Yeah. You definitely make, (laughs) you do make yourself vulnerable in these states. Oh yeah. You do make yourself vulnerable. Like you can, you become very sensitive to everything around you. So it's one of the reasons it's so important when you're taking something like mushrooms to be in a, uh, you know, a safe place but also a beautiful place because mm-hmm. the setting, it's it's set, setting and intent, right? Yeah, so, set and setting. That's an old drug rule, right? <laughs> set and setting. So if I take magic mushrooms and I'm, if I take magic mushrooms and I'm in a house party or something, mm-hmm. I get so restless, I'll start pacing around and, I just want, I just have to go outside, but me too. Yeah. But I have been at a house party before where everybody took mushrooms and everybody else was just, re- you know, very content to sit and watch a movie. And I was like, no, I'm going outside. I will like, I'll be outside if you need me. I'm not doing this. And then I was the only one. No one else wanted to do that. I think one of the major <laughs> ways I would describe the, the magic mushroom inebriation when done properly is. You just, you just, it's the same thing I've been talking about, though, that you start to see things in a way where you realize how beautiful everything is. 
is. You realize how beautiful life itself is. You realize how beautiful, like, your own hands are. You're like, mm-hmm. looking, whoa. Like, I am a beautiful thing. Like, how did, like, how are my hands moving like this? Like, uh-huh. At least for me. And No, I agree. I've had these experiences. And, you know, psilocybin especially has to be approached, I think, with a... Uh, you do have to, I believe, to have a good experience, you do have to fast. Mm. And sometimes I've fasted for up to three days before having mushrooms. Wow. And I know a lot of people that have bad trips with their magic mushrooms. And I, I find it one of the more fascinating uh, proofs of the gut and mm. the brain relationship. Oh, that's interesting. Where, you, yeah, it's it's very traditional, and it's one of the things with like ayahuasca too, mm-hmm. where people are doing it very recreationally, right? And reporting these like kind of nightmarish mm. experiences. But traditionally, you would fast for yeah days, and then and then you would um, like ritually purge, like you're supposed like you would do mm-hmm. a before you even took the ayahuasca, you would, there's mm. different uh, purging drinks that would make you like barf and shit. <laughs> and you do that before you even took the ayahuasca. So, yeah, it's a. So then, do you think if you did that, if you followed all those rules, including the purging, that when you took the ayahuasca, you then wouldn't feel the need to vomit? Because I feel like that's a common thing that happens is people throw up after they take ayahuasca. Right. Yes, I think I think that it's part of the medicine. So okay. I think yeah. I think it's gonna help you barf stuff up, but <laughs> uh, sort of the nightmarish mm-hmm. uh, encounters people have with yeah. uh, I believe it's all coming from internally their own their own gut, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's a whole like uh, I yeah I, I would have to do some more. Uh, mm-hmm. I would have to do some more work on ayahuasca, but mm, yeah. for sure, psilocybin mushrooms also, if you fast before you take them, uh, they're, they're going to be a lot, uh, you're going to have a way better trip because mm. your body's not using all its energy to like digest whatever's in there. It's right. Like, hmm. I, I recommend anyone, I mean, fasting is also a, a path to spiritual, um, enlightenment of course right yeah fasting is uh mm. i think the longest fast i've done so far is 10 days yeah. without food and it's it, it is psychedelic it's, i bet 10 days is long it's very strange <laughs> it's very strange because you start to wonder like why what is food and why <laughs> What is food? If not, you know, where does it come from? And in the end, nutrition and herbalism are intertwined, right? Because yeah. you look at wheat, you know, wheat is a sacred, sacred plant. Mm-hmm. Corn. Mm-hmm. Corn is a Corn, sacred, yeah. sacred plant, you know. You start to look at these 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 staple foods and they're all they're all medicinal. Mm-hmm. They're medicinal herbs, right? Like mm-hmm. cabbage. Oh, I love cabbage. Uh, cabbage is <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> cabbage can totally be a power plant spirit ally. You know, it's like even the mundane things we we 
take for granted. They're uh, they're very powerful uh, plant spirits, and in some cases, maybe too powerful. Yeah. Hmm. Well, when you're talking uh, about people having a bad trip, it makes me... I never associated it with the gut. I never even considered fasting or not fasting as a factor. I always assumed people had a bad trip because they... Uh, weren't ready to have that experience and and they weren't expecting it in a way and you know they're expecting to see like a pattern moving but they're not expecting to then have the ego death (laughs) that comes after you know and that's where they feel they are having a bad trip I never thought about the gut but that's very interesting yeah we're making leaps and bounds as a (laughs) we're making leaps and bounds as humanity when we're start to think about the gut as a second brain and mm-hmm. like and perhaps even more important than our brain as far as the nervous system tissue in there so yeah fasting has always been a very important part of all all spiritual traditions all magical traditions and for the native americans of course too right? mm-hmm. they would uh fasting and sweating and singing and they were using herbs in their mm-hmm. in their sweat lodges too, right? Um, you know, to enter the trance-like state where you can receive mm-hmm. um, like uh, prophecies, and you can receive these transmissions from. You know, it's hard to. You know, we still don't understand, of course, where these divine messages come from, but mm-hmm. hotly they, debated. <laughs> they might be they're both internal and external, right? There's no... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's that as above, so below. Yeah. As below, so above. Yeah. But yeah, we got, we're getting a little sidetracked uh, as far as it goes. I mean... I mean... I think we have a set agenda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. So mm-hmm. we don't have a single sponsor. <laughs> Say it like a brag. <laughs> um... It's interesting when we look at Christianity and the use of psilocybin mushrooms. There's there's actually a relatively re- there's a new book published and it's like it's its title is Mushrooms in Ancient Christianity and it's really interesting because it it goes through all this art in in ancient Christian art oh. it, mushrooms are quite often depicted and huh. and quite often um they are accurately botanically representing psilocybin species. So when Jesus said to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, I think he, I think he was telling us to eat mushrooms and drink wine. I don't know. <laughs> well, the wine is like, yeah. you know, that's uh, agreed upon by the church. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah, they just want you that. to eat like a dry cracker instead of a mushroom. Yeah, it's funny that these things got hidden from us mm-hmm. in a way. Like, yeah, you know, uh, they were kept very secret. I think. Uh, I wonder when. Like, I wonder when that really happened to our culture, because other cultures, of course, were still eating mm-hmm. magic mushrooms. Not like, um, you know, in the recent past. So it was yeah. like, mm-hmm. there's something that happened in medieval Europe and. Yeah, it probably has something to do with the church and, um... Probably. You know, um... Probably has something to do with, you know, when they were prosecuting their... Their herbalists? Witches, which yeah. were, like, the herbalists, <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, one... 
I don't know if you guys can see, but in my, I guess my Zoom background is yeah. uh, Amanita muscaria, or Amanita muscaria. It's mm-hmm. the fly agaric mushroom, and of course the great mushroom depicted in folklore. Yeah. And it's definitely part of the poison path. And oh, for sure. Definitely part of the definitely a magical substance and right. i just find it so strange like of course there's certain cultures that have kept the amanita you know the use of amanita you know in siberia mm. the the use of amanita goes it's far far reaching like people in uh the the, the inca for example have all these the incas were taking amanitas too there's all these beautiful statues in in peru oh. uh, depicting amanita muscaria and of course you know our people um if you go we do celebrate it still in all of our art yeah i was gonna say you see it in pop culture depicted a lot like that's even a plant that you can pick in um elder scrolls 5 skyrim to use to make potions they oh, call yeah. it what do they make what happens to you when you take that um, you die. <laughs> or, like, you don't die immediately, but you, like, you can use it to, I mean, in the game, you use it to poison other people, and then they, their health is, like, goes down. <laughs> but I can't remember all the, all the uses of it in the game, because every mm. plant in that game has, like, four effects, not just one. But it's the, the reindeer one, right? It's the red and white, yeah. The, well, in the game, they call it fly amanita, but that's not, I don't think, the real Yeah, name. fly, fly agaric or fly yeah fly on you know it's interesting you can't actually die from it's there's been very there's no reported deaths from ingesting the amanita i have the effects from the game you want to hear them i looked it up sure okay resist fire three percent for 60 seconds fortify two-handed combat four percent for 60 seconds frenzy level one for 10 seconds Oh, I was wrong. It doesn't even hurt your health. Mm-hmm. It's regenerate stamina 5% for 300 seconds. Makes you strong. Resist fire, be better at two-handed Makes wielding, frenzy, and stamina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's interesting because the Amanita is, it is one of the berserker herbs that there the Vikings go. would use. The stories about the Vikings, you know, about how strong they were, uh-huh. and there's there's stories about how they could jump, like the Vikings could be in the air. It was as though they were flying. They could jump so. That happens so in Last well. Kingdom. He jumps right over the shield wall. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. This is blowing my mind. And it does have something to do. Uh, so Amanita, one of its major effects is on the nervous system. Mm-hmm. So when you take it, it, the the final stage of poison, you get really poisoned with it. It makes all your nerves like go tight as a. You actually will start trembling. Okay. Because all your muscles and all your nerves just tighten up, and you'll start like completely trembling and trembling, like like all your muscles your whole body are just so tense yeah and so it's it's interesting because uh, at certain stages of the poisoning mm-hmm. um, so for example uh, right now amanita is being studied uh, extensively for its use for parkinson's mm-hmm. and alzheimer's oh. and 
degeneration of the nervous system disorder and it's fascinating because this is in small doses so it's sort of like micro dosing where Mm -hmm. you won't reach the threshold of a psychedelic experience Mm -hmm. but you that small poisoning of your nervous system just enough that Mm -hmm. your your nervous system gets a shock and it has to adapt and it's it's almost like whoa i think you know that's one that's a the truth about a lot of these psychedelics is they, they are poisons, right? Mm-hmm. Your body thinks you're dying. Yeah. Your brain thinks you're dying. And so, <laughs> yeah, that's, it's interesting. It's interesting. But yeah, small doses of amnium muscariae are, are um, like hyper valuable medicine. Very cool. The more, the more you poison yourself with it, like uh, there's ways to prepare it. So when you prepare amnium muscariae, you don't want to actually, like, ingest the flesh of the mushroom. Right. You want to... There's various ways to prepare it. Drying them. And interestingly, interesting, uh, very famous as an ingredient in meat. Oh. And process can actually denature the, the poisonous compounds and make them... So that you won't get digestive distress. Right. And that's... Honestly, when you if that's that's one of the worst things you can get from right. amanita poisoning, you mm-hmm. it's like um, digestive distress. You're barfing and barfing and shitting as well, and it's like gut wrenching. But you don't you don't die, but you come close. I think. Yeah, you yeah. probably wish you were dead at some point <laughs> during that. <laughs> yeah, but apparently, yeah, it's uh, some of the things that happen when you. For one thing, when you're you begin to feel no pain. Mm. Oh, like hence the Vikings taking right. it before like battle, right? And you you'll start to feel sensory distortion or spatial distortion. They call it so. Oh. You're not. It's it is like the Alice in Wonderland where mm-hmm. you begin. Right. You feel like a giant all of a sudden. Mm. But it's it is supernatural and um. Yeah, and humans are supernatural too, and it's for sure. it's cool because we don't know our own strengths, right? We don't yeah. know our, what what our potentials are as human beings. Like, um, mm-hmm. there's always the famous examples of like there's there's all these famous examples of like um, mothers mm-hmm. oh, uh, like, doing insane things when they rescue yeah. their babies. Yeah, like they could lift cars up and stuff with their one hand. And yeah, it's like that. That's Mm-hmm. impossible but is it yeah exactly no. frontiers we're exploring when we yeah we explore our nervous system it, it a lot of it has to do with nervous strength like um nerves of steel we call mm-hmm. them but mm-hmm. yeah the apparently the the amanita allowed the the vikings to do superhuman of things mm-hmm. like well, strength strength like when you're saying that they like Amanita will make you feel like you're gigantic, like in uh, Alice in Wonderland, I and of course there's lots of um, documentation from the cultures that the Vikings, will say, interacted with, of describing them as being really gigantic people, and like I wonder if any of that is that they they had a presence. I mean, they're tall, but also mm-hmm. they have a presence of feeling gigantic, which is then causing other people to describe them that way. You know? 
As a person who everyone who's ever guessed my height has guessed like three inches taller than I actually am every single time, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you just got to feel tall and then people will mm. think you're tall. <laughs> the power of the mind over matter. Exactly. Okay. I want to ask you something specific because you brought up something that's really interesting and I, I don't quite understand it. The poison path. Uh, what does that mean? Poison path of herbalism. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, psychedelic substances, of course, are... Okay. And hallucinogenic substances are, you know, poisons to the human body. Yeah. Uh, there's various plants that are poisonous that are... And, you know, one of the... One of the easiest, uh, I guess, um, one of the easiest, as an example, is even just um, cayenne chili peppers. Mm. Like cayenne chili peppers are, they contain, they contain an, uh, they actually contain a very interesting substance, like capsis, capsicin, uh-huh. a substance in the chili peppers that make the heat. And yeah. It totally does produce like a, um, an adrenal response, right? It's like mm. a pain. Pain. Chance <laughs> like no. pain to yourself can uh, have benefits. Mm-hmm. It can have benefits. And so, you know, people that enjoy really spicy food, they, you do have a stimulant effect, like um, to the cardiovascular system. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it definitely enhances circulation going on but yeah your body when your body tastes that it's like holy moly mm-hmm. you're in trouble you're in trouble and you need to like <laughs> your body will produce substances uh, that uh, make you feel less pain uh-huh. that's one of the that's one of the interesting things about chili peppers is they're they're so anti-inflammatory and so pain, they're very pain relieving pain for people yeah. that have a lot of infl- well, a lot of inflammation. Uh, depends. Well, turmeric is a little bit spicy, and that's a huge anti-inflammatory. Mm. So much so that people are breaking it down to just the curcumin and selling that on its own now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know if you've tasted. I don't know if you've tasted pure curcumin. I haven't. I've ever tasted it. No. What does it taste like? Crazy. No, it's it has no spice at all. Really? Yeah. No. Oh, because they're taking out all those compounds and just having that one. Just the pigment, yeah. Curcumin is what gives it the orange color. Huh. But I, I as a herbalist, have always doubted its efficacy. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. Because in herbalism, one thing you're taught is that the flavors. Mm-hmm. Are part of the medicine, so it's only when you taste it in your mouth. Yeah. Bitter, salty, sour, mm-hmm. sweet, bitter, pungent. Yeah. So those, it's only when you taste it in your mouth that you have a physiological reaction. Right. The body responds when you're tasting it, so that's why in Chinese herbalism, well, for the most part, you drink your medicine as tea instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess there's quite a few caps and pills in Chinese herbalism too, but I I love uh, I think it's important for people to taste their medicine. It's I agree, be mm-hmm. a thousand times more effective. Yeah. Well, I, but yes, uh, you know the poison 
So when we're talking about the poison path, of course there's of of course there's tobacco. And and so tobacco, right? The the compound in tobacco that's psychoactive and is called nicotine, right? And it's mm-hmm. an alkaloid. So we're talking about plant chemistry and you look into alkaloids. Whenever you find alkaloids in a plant, you're going to find most likely a psychoactive substance. So, for oh, example, caffeine. Yeah. Caffeine mm-hmm. is an alkaloid. Uh-huh. So many things have alkaloids, though. I never thought... I always thought of, like, oh, it's drying, it's, like, tonic, it's da-da-da-da. But I never thought it's going to have psychoactive compounds. Crazy. Caffeine, nicotine. Right. What's an... uh, Well, cocaine. Right. (laughs) Much... uh, I, I believe coca is one of the most... It's such a tragedy that that mm. plant is illegal the way it is because yeah. it's one yeah. of the gifts from Mother Earth. I don't yeah. know if you've ever chewed coca leaf before, but it's Never so had the opportunity. No. If someone handed me a leaf, I would be like, sure. But uh, that's no. never happened. <laughs> it, chewing, the, chewing the coca is it's amazing. It's so good. It opens your lungs. You can uh-huh. breathe really deeply. Yeah, I'm sure if we ever visited the Andes, we yeah. might. That. But that's why they take it, that's why they use it up in yep. the in the high elevation, right? So that you can breathe even though it's like low oxygen density, right? Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, we, uh, it's, de- it's definitely a fun, it's definitely a, one of the stimulants. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's one of the most important plants we can start to tr- try to liberate again. Free, yeah. free the plant spirits. Cause For real. But it almost comes back to what you were saying about curcumin is that when people are using recreational cocaine, they're not using the coca plant, really. You know, they're just taking, they're breaking it down to mm-hmm. being a mere shadow of what the whole plant is. You miss a lot of the, the information that's in the... Mm-hmm. In the other chemical constituents, it's same with, same with like uh, taking DMT versus taking. Uh, you don't get the same sort of um, interesting ex- experience of communicating with the, mm. the plant mm. spirits that have. Uh, yeah. They were part of the brew, you know. Take yeah. that, Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Rogan listens to this podcast. I don't know if you knew that, but he's. Wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, like something, things like, um, I mean, opium, of course. Yeah. Is an alkaloid. Well, that's morphine. Mm. Right? And we're always looking at these I-N-E words, you know, caffeine. Right. Cocaine. Mm-hmm. Morphine. Interesting. Yeah, all these alkaloids are... Uh, They're all named the same because that's what language is, does. That's what language is, does. Yeah. <laughs> well, and in chemistry, they're mm-hmm. they're related as mm-hmm. far as... Um, right. Yeah, and chemistry takes a lot from the Latin. 
Uh, well, yeah. yeah. Don't all sciences, though, right? Like every mm-hmm. plant has a Latin name. So in, if you're talking about it in a biology sense, you would call it, mm-hmm. you know, Zingabara officinalis. <laughs> That's yeah, the only I mean, Latin name I can remember. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, these substances, um, it's a fine balance when you walk the poison path. Like, mm. It's yeah. a fine balance because certainly these substances, they were, like, as, as we're talking about meat and alcohol, like, these substances were placed on the planet Earth by creation, right? We, mm-hmm. It's part of the fabric of reality. Like, they were, and any culture we go and see, they, they do say that these are gifts from the gods or the goddesses to us. Yeah, I like totally the agree. Greeks. Mm-hmm. The Greeks um, talk about when there's a legend about opium poppies and when they were gifted to humanity, they it was literally hmm. a gift from the gods in heaven to humans. Um, Interesting. But it came it came with a warning. Of course. Um, I forget exactly how it goes, but it's. I want to know like, which god was responsible for that. That's oh, so interesting. To, yeah. To was Demeter. I was going to guess that because, mm-hmm. but I don't know. The goddess of the, the fields. And yeah. The and I feel like I you can picture placed with poppies. It's always depicted with opium poppies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Demeter, you're right. Yeah. She's, she's often de- depicted with opium. And honestly, I don't know. Have you two? I've never tried anything heroin or I've never even no, had morphine. I've never had coke. I don't think I've ever even had a Tylenol 2 or Cody. <laughs> Once I took a Percocet and I passed out and hit my head on the sink. <laughs> so it was not a good time. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, I don't know what a Percocet is. <laughs> Neither do I. I had my wisdom teeth out and my mom had an extra Percocet and she's like, here, take this. And I was like, okay. Went to sleep, woke up like sweating and hyperventilating and freaking out. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm going to throw up, go into the bathroom I, like, remember seeing as I was falling, like, the sink oh. getting closer to my face and then clunk and then out. <laughs> that was my Percocet experience. <laughs> Sir, what's the, what we're talking about? Morphine. I would have had, like, oxycodones after surgery before. And then, um... Well, that's an opiate, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I'm not... I'm... Well, Oh, uh, you're... When it comes to... You froze. Okay, you're good. Yeah, you're good oh. now. Oh, oh no. never mind. Oh, no, I'm losing you. Yeah. yeah. Hello? Can you hear us? Hi. No, we're still not quite there. Hey. You're coming back. Yeah. Oh, it says oxycodone and Percocet are the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, no, I, I am saying, like, I've, I've had... Like, oxys are absolutely derived from, um, like, opioids. Uh-huh. Stru- structurally, uh... Mm-hmm. So what was that like on your after your surgery to be on oxy? It took the pain away, for sure. I mean, like, yeah. as, as intended. Yeah. That's it? You didn't have any weird effects? Not that I can recall, but it, like... I don't know. It felt 
good. Like right. it, like it's it's absolutely not something that should be, you know, used lightly or like prescribed lightly. Yeah, right. And we do definitely have a painkiller addiction problem going on. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. way bad in in North America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know it has ruined. Uh, it can be the ruin of yeah. a lot of people, and that's that's the poison path. You have to walk. Uh, Can't walk. Mm-hmm. Tread lightly on the poison path. <laughs> yeah, no. you. I, I keep thinking about uh, what you were talk- saying about uh, cocaine and, and how that's such like a, I don't know, the response to it is such a like direct product of its time is that um, it's you, you had these like extremely authoritarian regimes popping up in Argentina and Chile at the time that like these countries were entering the global marketplace and like coca itself. And it was a convenient thing for the CIA to use to raise money. And so they like basically partnered with, with a would have been like Nicaragua and uh, uh, Colombia to like create a revenue source for, for them at like, right as, the other countries that could have like shipped it and um, produced it were cracking down on it because it was a way to like bring their indigenous populations under heel. I don't know if that made sense. Yeah, it's, bad. it's a sad part of human history, the war on drugs. Then, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely engineered to. Uh, it was definitely engineered. Uh, it very, uh, very much to. Uh, yeah, it's so funny. I'm I'm really glad we're living in an age where marijuana has become like growing up. I never I never imagined marijuana would become legal. It only made sense, right? But yeah, it's interesting to be part of a generation where a big part of the experience was being scared of getting caught, right? <laughs> I didn't have that experience. <laughs> My. Okay, I can say this because now they can't be prosecuted. My parents grew and sold marijuana when I was a child. Like, if my mom wasn't growing marijuana when I was a kid, we would have starved, literally. Like, it was that. Anyways, so the the opinion on it in my household growing up was always, like, this basically isn't illegal. Or this, like, shouldn't even be illegal. Like, it's this is a victimless uh, crime that we're committing. Like, it doesn't. So, Yeah. My mom even actually had resistance to the legalization of it because she's like, it's so expensive now, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not saying I think it should be illegal. It's just interesting to hear from someone who was in the black market prior to legalization say, you know, oh, legalization is like ruining my weed (laughs) or whatever. Hmm. I don't know. And it's definitely part of the thrill. It's definitely part of the thrill with a lot of these substances mm. that because they're taboo yeah that's where people get the excitement out of it like yeah. you're doing something bad uh, it's part of the totally part of the poison path too but right it was yeah, always it's, weird it's, uh, oh i was, was just think, saying it, like it, it was weird that marijuana would be illegal and not alcohol 
yeah. in terms of like the kind of damage one can do to themselves and others. It's true. Not that either one should be. It's it's just it seems the alcohols can be abused a lot more easily. Yeah, and well, we definitely saw what prohibition did. Um, yeah, humans. Mm-hmm. You know, personally, I believe alcohol is part of a healthy diet. It's part of our evolutionary history. If we look back in time, of course. Yeah. I, I've heard, I've heard that in medieval Europe, fermented beverages, um, were almost. It was like forty to fifty percent of the caloric intake. Hmm. Whoa. So they were getting forty to fifty percent of their calories from beer or whatever uh-huh. ale. Wine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there and it. And it um, purified the water, right? It made the water mm-hmm. safe to yep. drink. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and we wouldn't be who we are today without having ancestors that were definitely uh, enjoying this stuff. It's there. There was actually a rec- there was actually a recent study involving um, uh, Christian mission missions around the world, mm-hmm. especially in Africa. I think was yeah they do love actually the study was conducted by the the church actually like they Mm -hmm. were wondering so there was this distinct pattern that wherever christian missions were being built uh suicides rates were going up like crazy well wherever Hmm. a christian mission was localized i think we probably see this in canada too Mm mm-hmm um, well, maybe to maybe it's a different kind of story here too. It definitely yeah, is. Yeah, wherever these missions were were built, uh-huh. like suicide rates would go up, and mm-hmm. uh, quite dramatically. So that, I know, the, yeah, the church would they they don't want that to happen, uh, right? Later, so they started wondering, like, what's going on here. Mm-hmm. The study by the church revealed that um, it was because the the churches were um, abolishing, like preventing people from actually drinking right. their fermented beverages. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And they they looked at these fermented beverages and realized that they provide a really important source of like vitamin B, especially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is like a very important yeah. happiness, crucial to your mental mm-hmm. health. Yeah, like it's let's uh oh yeah, crucial and yeah. Have you ever had a uh, pulque by a ball? Uh, I have uh, not. I have not had pulque. Like it's yeah. it is the first step to making tequila. Yep, it's one of the things on my wish list to try pulque. Maybe we can uh, get some in Mexico and bring it for you. As far as okay. the pulque. Pulque doesn't ship very well, so yeah, you kind of need to get yeah, it as tequila. Is like the... Oh, I didn't know. Hmm. Sorry, you cut out. You? Oh. Yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry, guys. I seem to be um, experiencing some connectivity issues. Can you hear me still? Yeah, yeah. we can hear you now. Tequila is definitely one of my favorite of the distilled spirits mm-hmm. um, right. apparently so pulque 
is fermented cactus yep. to sap, right? Or you roast, or mm. there's some that are made by roasting the roasting the heart of the cactus. And yeah, it, it's basically it's it's fermenting um, the sugar. It's it's so difficult to get like good quality water in that like region of the the Caribbean that it's kind of the only way that they can get it is like get hydration is through pulque. Oh, so similar to medieval Europe yeah, as you were saying. Yeah, it's absolutely vital. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's a vital part of our evolution as humans. We wouldn't be humans without a little bit of that stuff. <laughs> Isn't it interesting, like you're saying, the Catholic Church went in on missions and took away the um, the fermented beverages, basically the alcohol, because of like Puritan ideas, and then it negatively affected the population. It's so interesting to me that you then get on the other side, like not the church, but people who are so um, dedicated to their new age spirituality and their like health and whatever, that they, they swing to that side of the pendulum as well of like, you shouldn't drink coffee, you shouldn't drink alcohol, et cetera, et cetera, ever, ever, ever. You know what I mean? Like I used to work at community natural foods and I met a lot of people like that. <laughs> oh yeah. Right? Oh yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> I'm just glad to hear support from such a smart, <laughs> uh, lovely herbalist of, yes, alcohol is, uh, you know, part of our history and also a way to enter into a relationship with spirit and plant spirits and same with coffee, etc. It's interesting because alcohol, of course, is also in herbalism used as a method to potentiate the effects of herbs. So you can make a tincture, like an alcohol extraction of herbs and there's a few major benefits. One of them is absorption of the herbal constituents. Like, um, you know, it really delivers it into your bloodstream very, very effectively. Like, and we see a lot of herbal liqueurs out there in the world, mm-hmm. right? Where even if you go to Peru, um, a, ma- a lot of, a majority of the herbs, when you go to the the little herb shops, it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, soaked in rum or soaked in sugarcane. Oh, interesting. Alcohol. Huh. But definitely. And so herbs can have, um, effect on alcohol as well. Mm-hmm. So. Well, there's a, a few herbs that they have some components that you can't extract with hot water right? That you would need to use alcohol to even access that part of the herb. Yeah, exactly. It's so fascinating. Uh, it's so fascinating. You could, of course, eat them. Right. Your gut would. Yeah. Or you can smoke them. Oh, yeah. And you'll get the effects mm-hmm. from the herbs. So smoking is definitely a pretty direct way to take herbs into your bloodstream, right? They go right mm-hmm. into your surface of your lungs and then right into your bloodstream and it's a very valid way to take herbs i agree um, i've been looking at making a, a smokable blend for myself with um probably like some mullein in there for sure as my base because of 
well, I thought of it during all this, all the fires and all the smoke, <laughs> and I was oh, having yeah. so much trouble with it. And I was like, well, I'm gonna smoke some mullein. That'll make me feel better. <laughs> but, yeah, I definitely, yeah. as a herbalist, um, used mullein in a first aid mm. situation um, a lot this summer, and. It's interesting during this whole um, pandemia, like the lungs in herbalism are the masters of the emotions. Mm. They say. Interesting. So, and, and you know, like when you you can take a deep breath, mm-hmm. oh, and like relax your body, and when you're stressed out, like oh, certain people will hyperventilate. And mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, if you're uh, having a panic attack, you hyperventilate, generally. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You can actually... I consider mullen one of the best calming herbs to the emotions. If Not only uh, right. will I give mullen to people that are... Um, I'll give mullen to people, of course, who have any respiratory problem. Mm-hmm. I'll give it to people with sore throats, but I also give it to people that need to to calm down. Take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um, exactly. And it's interesting because mullen is one of the great insomnia herbs. Oh. Well, I guess mullen. that tracks. If you're taking a deep breath is relaxing you, then... Exactly, and uh, so mullen. If people don't know about mullen, it, it's a it's a herb very rich in mucilage. Mm-hmm. So it's it's got this like gelatinous mm-hmm. kind of character. And when you drink it, it basically coats your lungs with like an aloe gel. It'll coat your throat with this aloe gel. But interesting, it also coats your gut. So mm-hmm. mullen, mullen is one of the best digestive herbs as well. So these herbs affect uh, the major the major organs of our body. Yeah. And through that, they can have a dynamic effect on our emotional bodies as well. Yeah. I'm not sure if you know much about the different organs and the different emotions that live in them. Chinese herbalism. Yeah, I have some recollection of that. It's been a minute since I took that class, but Mm. (laughs) I kind of remember. What about the herbs? But for Mm -hmm. example, um, what lives in your lungs, uh, the negative emotion is grief. Mm. So if someone's really sad, you can actually target that sadness with lung herbs. It's really interesting. That's so interesting because I had this, oh my gosh, Denis, I, I studied herbalism first at Wild Rose and then I went and studied Reiki and I was like, great, now I have something for each. I have herbs for the body, I mean, and the emotion sometimes, mm-hmm. obviously, but, and I have Reiki for the like emotional and spiritual body healing, but you don't, I mean, not that it's not good. I'm glad I have Reiki too, but. It's just so interesting that you don't necessarily need to, like, have multiple disciplines to address all the levels of the body, right? Yeah, and there's certainly an energy healing component to herbalism as well. Like, It's true. Um, you know, just 
just the act of getting taken care of by someone else is, yeah. uh, you know, it's very healing. So there's definitely a placebo effect in, with herbalism too, where it's like, mm-hmm. drink this and you're going to get better. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to get better. True. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> totally works that. It totally works. And oh, for sure. I guess that's the true, we're talking about magic and we're talking about enchanted potions and things like that. Like, uh-huh. It's definitely a big part of the success belongs in the belief of the patient that it's going to help them. Well, that ties back to what we started talking about in like setting the intention, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, the placebo effect can be very powerful. Um, hmm. It's definitely part of her. It's definitely part of uh, helping people. Yeah. Need to... You know, uh, uh, you do need to make them feel like, all right, they're gonna get, they're gonna get better. You need to have the confidence part. that they're. Are you handing me that? Mm-hmm. What is this? John just handed me a glass with an unidentified liquid in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Should I drink it? Do you think is it safe? We'll give it a sniff. All right. Mm-hmm. Smells ah, like. Trust your nose. It smells like yeast and spices. That's probably safe, right? Yeah. Oh, that's the mead we made on Samhain, yeah. isn't it? Wait, is that the dandelion wine? It's dandelion wine. Oh, so we put cinnamon in both, and that's like the main note that I'm getting off of it. Right. Amazing. <laughs> Blind well, taste test. <laughs> that is one of the paths um, <sighs> I, I would, was going to take with this conversation today in this interview. was. We could always do another one. I, mm. I would love it if you're down. <laughs> yeah, the power of enchantment yeah. when it comes to when it comes to making your own beverages and mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys picked you guys picked your own dandelions to make that wine right <laughs> yeah from my own yeah. backyard <laughs> so for you when you drink that like it it might be I believe like 10 million times more powerful um mm-hmm. depending on how much you appreciate it right some people yeah. are very appreciative Oh, I appreciate my dandelions. I was ready to die on that hill yeah. when we were renovating the house. I was like, don't you come near my dandelions with that spray. Uh, Absolutely not. No. <laughs> that was the one thing that I put my foot down on. <laughs> so when you drink that, like, I know this is one of my, uh, whenever I dr- drink my meat, I get, like, transported Yeah. Um, to the time and the place where I picked it, right? I'm like, right. I have this beautiful cram- wild cranberry mead where I was picking mm. it. I was picking these wild cranberries. They're called the, the low bush cranberries or the uh-huh. lemon berries. Mm-hmm. And I was picking them the most beautiful, like, you know, it's like it's so beautiful out there in the forest, in the hills, and then, you know, when there was like bear poo everywhere that... <laughs> was so purple and but yeah when I drink that um, mead I become transported to that place and that time yeah and it feeds me that way right by evoking it evokes those memories right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah and I mean with the dandelion specifically for me it's a statement of of standing up for the medicine and saying, this is not a weed. This is medicine that I'm not going to let 
get destroyed. Mm-hmm. Like, so it has that additional meaning as well. Yeah, it's absolutely, yeah, it's absolutely, oh, we just have to sigh. I know, right? When people are like, that's a weed. Literally my neighbors, because my front yard, I don't, once in a while if I have a, if I have a plant that's like taking over something else I'm trying to cultivate, I'll pull it. But I don't go out and pull every single weed I see. If there's room, I'll let it grow. And my neighbors love to come by and say, you know, that's a weed. And I love to say, actually, that's called lamb's quarter. It tastes better than spinach. And how about you mind your own business? <laughs> like, <laughs> Absolutely. And a lot of the times, like, in herbalism, you'll you'll notice the exact plants that people need are, are the weeds that are growing in there. In their own yard. In their own yards. And it's, it's, no, it's no joke what a dandelion's <laughs> growing in everyone's um, yards mm-hmm. in, in North America. It's... Uh, I don't know if you know about dandelion, but it's one of these great, it's this amazing liver herb. Yeah. And when we talk about the liver in, in Chinese herbalism, anger. what emotion lives in the liver? It's anger, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And that's when it's... Um, Negative. Yeah, in, wow. in disbalance. Sure. Like, not in balance. Yeah. And it's it's very interesting. Um, it's anger and frustration, and I don't know if you like watching those funny videos of like um, you know the Karens or whatever. <laughs> Karen needs to eat her yard weeds. That's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, <laughs> mm. so so in Chinese herbalism, when we talk about um, the liver and we talk about anger and frustration. So there's actually a positive emotion that can live in the liver. Mm-hmm. And the, the positive emotion is willpower. Mm. And the anger... In, so in Chinese medicine, it's very interesting. The liver is responsible for your ability as a being to direct chi energy. Right. So if you wanted to... You want to move or do something in the world. Yeah. If you have a lot of good liver energy, you're going to be able to mm. move your body and do what you need to do. And it's very interesting because it actually is is related to our ere- male erections and things. Well, I was actually going to say that sounds like it's related to the Manipura chakra, the uh, solar plex. I don't know if chakras are oh, something yeah. you 100% like. Right? Okay. People knew exactly what was yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah, that's what I kind of was getting at. <laughs> the ancients knew. Yeah, yeah well, it's fascinating when we start talking about the emotional body and and how related it is to the physical body mm-hmm. and how we can. It's very interesting when you tar- when you start talking about taking herbs to target specific organs and to target specific emotions. That's is that not psychedelic or right? Yeah, well, psychedelic is the right word here, but like having an effect on the mind and the mental state. Yeah, working on multiple levels at once. Holistic. Yeah, that might be the word. Holistic. Yeah, well, Denise... approach. So magic, magic can be as simple as taking good care of your liver with dandelion. <laughs> I love it. 
This has been incredible. I wish that we didn't have to stop. If I didn't have somewhere to go, I would just, we would talk for another hour and we'd have a two-parter. <laughs> yes, well, so, yeah, I'm very, it's very nice to uh, get a chance to talk like this. I think, you know, uh, this is a huge topic. I so know. Mm-hmm. It was fun to talk to with you guys about psychedelics a little bit and the poison path. Scratch the surface just yeah. a little bit. And, um, yeah, if, you, if your listeners here are very interested, um, uh, they can follow me on Instagram. Yes. Um, I have two Instagrams. One is ferment your food. So it's all about fermentation and how to make mead. Like, I have all my recipes, um, how to make apple cider and stuff like that. It's Wow, that's such valuable information on Instagram for free at Ferment Your Food, right? Yeah, and um, <laughs> on fun. Facebook too. Mm-hmm. But you know, and I also started, I started a new Instagram account mm. called Forage Your Food. So mm. it's all about it's all about like the different plants, like growing around us here in Calgary and mm-hmm. um, Alberta. Mm-hmm. and how to identify them and start working with them because honestly I hope I hope that's the big message people get from this little interview is that plants are um, they're all around us and we need them we need them and they want to help us that's why they're right there right? absolutely mm-hmm. oh boys if, <laughs> so we're going to have to have a different interview about I agree yeah. 100% about plant-spirit communication. Absolutely. We were kind of getting warmed up there by talking about... (laughs) I know. um, Altered states of consciousness, but... Yeah. I've had some amazing experiences of direct connection with plants, and, you know, interestingly, some of these experiences did not involve any... Uh Any substances, only um, other methods to achieve trance-like states. Mm -hmm. Drumming and dancing and singing and oh all so the methods that you listed are ecstatic states that's interesting because my first thought when you said other methods to achieve altered states i was like yeah sitting in the garden and like quietly breathing and like meditating but then you came out it's just so int- like because it's not one way right you're like no dancing and drumming and singing <laughs> it's like yeah that's also exactly right yeah Nice. Well, yeah, I'm really grateful for this chance to try to put into words. Like, <laughs> We're grateful to have you mm-hmm. here. You're lovely. I can't mm-hmm. wait to talk with you Definitely again. Talk again. Yeah. I'm going to take, I'm going to take some of your things. I've just been so busy. I've been like working constantly. So the second I get a free moment, I'll be there in class with you for whatever you're teaching. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> nice. nice. Sister Luna says, well, take good care of, um, making sure um, to take your take your herbs everyone like they're more they're more important than we could ever imagine 100% eat your mm. weeds yeah totally <laughs>